Hello, friends. Welcome to I Am Who I Am podcast. We're in First Thessalonians chapter 4 today. So we're going to jump right on in there and uh, hope you all are doing well. Amen and amen. Let's just jump right on in. It's a good chapter. And for other matters, and for the other matters, brothers, we instructed you how to live in order to please God, as in fact you are living. So they given them instructions, and they were living according to instructions on how to please God. It opens up encouragingly this chapter. Now we ask you to we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. For we, for you know what instructions we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. So this was all from the Lord. The Lord wanted the, the apostles to instruct the people on how to live, and they were following through. And they, he said, Paul wanted, um, Paul said, hey, do it more and more. So just ain't allow, allow yourselves to increase in these things. Uh, verse 3, if it is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should be avoid that you should avoid sexual morality. That each of you should learn to control his own your own body in a way that is holy and honor, honorable, not in passion or lust like the pagans who do not know God. Then that in the in this matter no one should wrong or take advantage of his brother. Now let's just start from the beginning here. It will that you should be sanctified. Being sanctified means to be set apart. God wants all of us in Christ by the Spirit to be set apart, and it's a process, sanctification, justification, we're justified by the blood of Jesus, and that's an instantaneous, the moment you put in faith in Christ, you're justified, um, that faith, you're justified by faith in Christ, that's an instantaneous thing, but sanctification is as you're living your life in Christ, God is working all of the garbage out of you, he's getting you past your past, he's helping you to overcome, and it's a lifelong process till we meet the Lord, we're all being sanctified more and more, the, the Bible talks about the washing of the water of the word, that we're daily supposed to examine ourselves to see if we're in the faith. It's a daily process, sanctification. And so he's giving them instructions. The first thing he says is that you should avoid sexual morality and that each of you should learn to control his own body in a, in a way that is honorable, holy and honorable, not in passion and lust like the pagans who do not know God. And that's, I mean, you see how relevant the Bible is today? The sexual immorality today now is more rampant than ever. That's where all the abortions come from because of sex outside marriage and the fact that we live in a disposable society. All this LGBTQ stuff, all the people living together, you know, men and women living together and having a sexual relationship. The, the porn, we live in exceedingly sexual, a sexually immoral time. And so Paul, this is these words are as relevant today as they were. And he said, we're supposed to, in our bodies, we're supposed to be holy and honorable, not like the pagans or or those that don't know God. Um, we're not supposed to live passionately like them. And again, this applies to us today, that God wants us to, to learn to control our own bodies. Prayer, fasting, and other things help us to control ourselves and um, to live in an honorable way before God, not like those who don't know God. Let's continue on verse 6. And that in this matter, no one should wrong or take advantage of his brother. The Lord will punish all those who commit such sins as we told you and warned you before. So this is interesting. He talks about all this about living uh, about, about uh, living in an honorable way and being sanctified before the Lord. And, and in that in this matter, no one should wrong or take advantage of his brother. So it's interesting. I don't know whether... 
they were having uh, sexual problems uh, between the brothers, you know, between Christians. Uh, we know that in 1 Corinthians, Paul brought it up to his uh, the attention of the Corinthians about the guy who was sleeping with his father's wife. So we know sexual morality, even among those who call themselves Christians, was happening. So I think that verse 6 is a caveat. And by the way, don't be messing, you know, don't be doing these things with your brothers. Don't be sinning against your brother or sister in this way. So... It's uh, <laughs> we're, we're, God definitely wants us to avoid this. The the uh, first covenant in the Bible is marriage between the wife, the husband, and the wife, and uh, uh, and just it's a beautiful thing that God's done there. So, again, um, Paul's just instructing them on again. Many most of these cultures are very sexual. Sexual morality just goes back way back and thousands of years, and and so um, Paul was just trying to help them get over the hump. The Lord will punish also all those who commit such sins as we warned you about. So again, again, uh, punishment is part of the deal. God, he's a God of love, but he's a God of justice as well. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. And we're called to live a holy life. None of us is doing it perfectly. That's why I'm always saying sinless perfection is not the standard. The standard is a repentant heart. If you fall down today, get back up tomorrow and search your heart and repent before the Lord. Um, therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject God, does not reject, um, man, but God, the very God who gives you his Holy Spirit. So these instructions, Paul says, therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction, again, everything we just talked about does not reject man, but God, the very God who gives you his Holy Spirit. So, and this, what Paul was writing was directly from the Holy Spirit, directly from God. Verse nine. Now about your about your love for one another, we do not need to write you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other, and in fact you do you do love all the brothers throughout Macedonia. Yet we urge you, brothers and sisters, to do more and more, and to make it your ambition to live a quiet life. Let's let's stop there. Again, I love Paul. Paul really was encouraging and complimenting and building these people up. Now, but your love one for another, we do not need to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. Think about what he's saying there. Man, the Holy Spirit, whenever it says God like this, we're talking about the Holy Spirit living inside a person who leads and guides us into all holiness and all truth, excuse me. And so, so he's saying now about the, your love one for another, and that's the second great command: love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. So he's he's dealing with the second great command here. Now about your love one for another, we do not need to write to you. So Paul didn't even need to write them, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other, and in fact you do love all the brothers throughout Macedonia. Yet we urge you, brothers and sisters, to do so more and more, to make it your ambition to live a quiet life, man. Isn't that beautiful? The Holy Spirit leads us and guides us into all truth. He leads us and He leads and guides us into the truth of our love one for another. Isn't that beautiful? I love that. Um, you should mind your own business and work with your your hands, just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders, and so that so that you will not be dependent on anybody. So again, common sense stuff here. You should mind your own business. Don't be a busybody. And work with your hands. Be willing to be willing to be a laborer. Be willing to labor. 
um, just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders. It's a good witness of Christ. If you're a hard worker, doing everything as um, doing everything as if you're doing it unto the Lord, when you do that, that's, that wins the respect of outsiders. They see, boy, that's not a lazy Christian. That guy's doing the right thing. That's amazing. So God, it's a good testimony of who Christ is within us when we work hard. And and also, when you work, you get paid, so now you don't have to be dependent on anybody, including the government. Although the government would love you to be fully dependent on them, <laughs> so they can control your life and tell you what you can and can't do. Uh, now, verse 13, this is a different, uh, different section, believers who have died. This is awesome. This is 13 through 17, Watch or 18. Watch this. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. Man, it is a sad thing when our brother or sister dies. Absolutely. That's a not that's a that's a common ordinary thing that we feel sorrow when one of our family members in Christ dies. But but we're not supposed to grieve like the rest of mankind that have no hope. You know, we're supposed to we're supposed to sorrow but we're supposed to sorrow with the also with the joy that, man, you know, we miss Bob, we miss him uh, uh, terribly. But he's with the Lord. He, we have that hope that as soon as we're to be uh, to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. So we have that hope, and um, and because but the rest of mankind have don't have that outside of Jesus Christ. There's no hope. Amen and amen. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, so that we believe that God will bring with Jesus all those who have fallen asleep with him. So when the Lord returns at the rapture, he's going to bring all those. For we believe that Jesus Christ died and rose again, so we believe that God will bring with him, bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. So the dead in Christ, they're, they're the ones, the first ones. Now watch this, continue on. According to the Lord's word, Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep or have died. For the Lord, here, and here's the process right here. Here He's building up to the whole process here. This is the rapture. This isn't the second coming of Christ. The second coming of Christ and the rapture are two different events. Okay. Uh, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a, with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, with a trump, trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. All those who, have, who are in death right now who have died and are, are at home with the Lord, they will be risen. The, the, the grave will give up their bodies. They will be risen. And... After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we'll be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. So it's coming a moment in time, even Jesus doesn't know, as he said himself, when he's going to come back. And there's going to be a loud shout and a trumpet and the dead in Christ, all the bodies. The, the spirit of these people is up in heaven, but they're, they're going to meet their, the spirit of them and the bodies are going to meet together and they'll be joined with their bodies in heaven, get their glorified body. Just like we are going to be changed in instance. It says, I think in 1 Corinthians 15, that as at the twinkling of an eye, we're going to be caught up with them and we're going to be changed from mortal to immortal. So this is at the coming of the Lord, this, the rapture of the church. And we're going to be with the Lord forever. Man, the promise here is so awesome. And uh, therefore, encourage one another. Man, you read these words. How can you not be encouraged when you hear these words? Man, there's... there's it, it basically, he wants us to, to live a holy life and love each other. And that here's the hope you have for the future. That we're going, we're going to be with the Lord forever. And we're going to be with each other forever. Man, glorious, glorious words. I'm loving this. I'm looking forward to Second Thessalonians and 
first and second Timothy. So just just good stuff. So anyway, love you, love you. Can't get enough of you. Short today, only eleven and a half minutes. So we're um we uh, it just was a short chapter, not much to comment on. Very, very self-explanatory. So you have a blessed day. Hope you enjoy this. Uh no poem today. I'm running behind a little bit, but but uh again, good day here. We love you and we appreciate you. And uh just uh allow the Lord to do his good work in your heart, which is what he's doing every day on all of us in Christ. It's a beautiful thing. The Holy Spirit's working. He's sanctifying us daily. And you know, you're justified. You know, the word justification means to be made innocent as if you had never sinned or sanctified and changed. But when we believe in Christ, we're justified by faith. And that means in the Greek to, to be, um, to be, uh, as if we had never sinned to be when we, when we believe in Christ by faith, we're justified. And that means as if we had never sinned. Man, good stuff in Christ. Anyway, love you, love you. Have a blessed day. We'll talk to you tomorrow.